I was uh, I'm excited about what I had to share, although I have to admit, um, the song service and the prophecies kind of did it for me. Um, it's so okay to share a message that kind of says ditto. Is that okay? And for starters, you know, I like names and I like to know what names mean. And uh, when we were singing so much about your God, you're like no other God. That's actually what the it's the name Michael means who is likened to you, who is likened to God. It's actually, you know, I have no objections to somebody taking that to mean, oh, I'm like God. Because God wants us to be like him. But that's not what it means. It's a rhetorical question. The answer is none. Nobody. None. Zilch. Who is likened to our God? Nobody. No God. There is none like our God. And there was a lot of songs about that. And then there was ministry, and uh, I thought, Lord, I was sure you gave this message to me, and I still do, but I thought, they just kind of did it all. It's a good thing, right? Amen. Um, This message for me was birthed out of a rough week. I have some wonderful weeks, and sometimes I have a rough week. And uh, discouraged, and hurting. And so I, uh, you ever knew that you could pray into another place? You know, the Bible says, David said, One day in his presence is better than thousands elsewhere. And I've had days like that. And why you wouldn't want that all the time? I mean, I do. I do want that all the time. But why wouldn't I step into his presence, go into his presence with praise? Go into his presence with thanksgiving. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Why wouldn't I do that? And sometimes, has anybody like that? It's, uh, there's a term for it, the heavens turn to brass. Well, that doesn't really describe mine because I don't even do, I don't even get to the brass. I don't even get that far. I just am down. And you know, uh, and I don't know, a couple of three, four days of it. And so the Lord popped this scripture in my head. And I'm like, where is that? I know that scripture. And I'm thinking, where is that scripture? And uh, I finally gave up and got my strong concordance out. I'm going to look it up. And I couldn't find it. And uh, I'm like, where is that scripture? 
And I've never used my pad here for finding a scripture or where it is. Never done it before. I mean, I've got all kind of apps that are about the Bible and everything. And I've been asking, I've been meaning to ask Chris to show me how to use some of them because I don't know the full extent of how I can use them. So I googled the, you know, what I knew of the scripture. And it's in Ephesians. Now why Rodney is laughing is, I have the book of Ephesians memorized. And I couldn't. And I'm like, where is that scripture? And I probably couldn't find it when I was looking for it in the Strong's because I probably skipped Ephesians. Because if it's in Ephesians, I wouldn't know that. And it was just simply the thing that popped in my heart was, be strong in the Lord. And so I'm looking it up, and there, be strong. In, oh, and as soon as it said Ephesians, I said, oh my. <laughs> it's be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And uh, it talks about taking to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles, that's King James, wiles is uh, obstruction or in some cases the wisdom of the devil. And there are other scriptures that, that give us what it is, is you and I are in a time-space world and we have an enemy. And that enemy is out to kill, to steal, and destroy you. And the one thing, you know, it's not so much that the Lord, that the enemy wants to destroy your physical body. He does, don't get me wrong. But it's your faith. He wants to destroy your faith. He, he wants to destroy your relationship with the Lord. There's a war going on right now. As it says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That high places meant heavenly places or the atmosphere. Like we were singing, come Holy Spirit, fill the atmosphere. And so we have a a war going on. And uh, it says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That's to coincide, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. Now, there's two kinds of imaginations. One is in God. And one is in the world. The one that is in God is actually one of the definitions 
imagining is one of the definitions of uh, meditating. If you look it up in the, in the Greek, one of the definitions is to imagine. So it's, it's not wrong to imagine the things of God. Like the song, I can only imagine. You know. But vain imaginations, that's of the world. And that's what he wants us to have. I shared, I think I shared this one time that I was reading over uh, John Milton's Paradise Lost. Of course, the, I, th- I believe that the most famous of all uh, statements, verses, I'll call it verses because Paradise Lost is a poem. One of the most famous verses is about Satan. And he says, and he makes the comment, I would rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. Then later on he says this in the poem, the mind is a place of its own, able to make hell of heaven, heaven of hell. That's an interesting comment. You you think, some of you got that confused look, because I do, I get, what? And when you think about it, this is what, this is the war that's going on. The war that's going on when Adam and Eve was created in the likeness and the image of God, and they were in the garden, and the devil, the serpent, comes to them. And he says, uh, hath God said. That's a, uh, an evil rhetorical question, meaning... If God said, it's a lie. Half God said, you can eat of every fruit. And the woman says, of every fruit except that fruit, the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And so the devil goes to make, in their mind, hell out of heaven. See, they're in the garden. After they sinned, they were driven out of the garden. And they weren't permitted to be in the garden because that, that was a place that was an earthly place. They communed with God every day. Had fellowship with God every day. He walked with them. And this is what the devil says. The devil says, this will make you, this will be, this is heaven and it's hell. To walk against God's word is hell. So he makes hell, he makes hell out of heaven. At the same time, he makes heaven out of hell. So he makes his hell, and he says, this is, this is heaven. What's over there, that's not heaven. God's a liar. And this is, you know, there's a psalm that says, Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength because of your enemy. We have an enemy. We have an adversary. One of the names of the devil is adversary. And so it says, your adversary, 
you have an adversary. He says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, I've ordained strength that because of your enemy, your adversary, that you might still the enemy. The devil has, interesting enough, God's power is in his, and this, this is a tablet, but this is my Bible too. God's word is here in this tablet, right? God's word is his power. Evil works the same way. Uh, Revelation 16 has a thing that says the great dragon, the great serpent, is going to come at us. And he opens his mouth and three spirits come out of his mouth like frogs. Spiritual warfare is through this thing, your mouth. And Satan's warfare against you is his mouth. If you can shut his mouth, you shut off his power. How do you shut it off? Out of the mouths and babes of suck and sucklings, God has ordained strength. Jesus quotes that verse in Matthew 21, verse 16. When the, when, when the priest tried to get him to shut the people up that was praising him, he quotes that verse. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, I have perfected, he quotes it this way, I have perfected praise. So our warfare comes, even if you're a baby in the Lord, you can have power that comes out by praising and worshiping. Specifically, Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. They that run into it shall be safe. Strong tower. Of course, the most beautiful example of that in the Bible is when there was this evil king called Abimelech, is one of Gideon's sons. He had his 40 brothers, or was it 80? 40 brothers murdered so he could be king after Gideon died. And so he... he was going to, he was setting siege to this tower. And so he's at the bottom of the tower, and this woman gets this milestone, rolls it over to the tower, rolls it off the top, and it comes down and splits his skull right open. Of course, being the man that he is, he tells his armor bearer, Make sure AJ doesn't hear this. Thrust me with your sword. Because I don't want anybody to say that a woman killed me. Isn't that pretty, pretty pathetic? A strong, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. You can throw milestones down on the Satan's head and crush them. But he says... We know that it's praising the name of the Lord 
Because the first verse says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Then he says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, I've ordained strength, perfected praise, that thou mightest still the avenger, still make it shut his mouth. So I was looking up this word, uh, looking up uh, the verse and found, it says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm interested every time it says be something. Because the first verse, uh, the only verse that says how uh, pleasing the Lord starts is uh, in Hebrews 11.6 which says but he that uh, without faith it is impossible to please God. But he that comes to God must believe that he is. And it doesn't say that he is God. It just says that he is. That means he's, he exists. And that he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. So I think that the first verse is, is saying like, the thing that pleases God to start with is believing that he exists. One of the definitions, you know anybody by the name of Jesse or Jessica, one of the meanings of Jesse or Jessica is God exists. You know, it's like what he said to Moses, I am. God is get, And you know, when he says be, it usually means like he wants you to be in him or like him. Just like the word Michael means who is like unto God. It means nobody is like unto God. At the same time, you can take it uh, who, is, who is, I am who is like unto God. It's like God wants you to be his children who follow in his footsteps who, who is Conform to the image of Christ. And so he says, be, be. It's like to be or not to be. That is the question. The answer is to be. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. How do you do that? Well, let's, let's go to some other verses. Revelation 12. Why don't we just put this one up? Revelation 12. And I'm going to start with verse 9. Some of you know this one, this by heart. But this is good stuff. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent. Called the devil and Satan. This is pretty cool because there's two names the two major names of the devil and Satan is devil is false accuser. He is the false accuser. And he will accuse you falsely day and night. But the name of Satan is the true accuser. Now that's interesting 
Because, see, there are a lot of things in our lives that he can accuse us truthfully. You know? And um, it's got us covered both ways. He accuses us falsely. He accuses us of things that are true. And so it says, who deceived the whole world? He dece- he's deceiving the whole world. He's making hell out of heaven and heaven out of hell. Another person once said, the closest a believer is ever going to get to hell is right here on earth. And the closest anybody's ever going to get to hell for an unbeliever is right here on earth. I mean, the closest, the closest they're ever going to get to heaven is right here on earth for an unbeliever. Like that so- song in Rushing Helter Skelter with their fingers in their ears to destruction, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Next verse. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come strength and salvation. Salvation and strength. And the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren. Who's the accuser of the brethren? The devil and Satan. Same person, different names. The accuser, that old serpent, the dragon, who accused them, that, the power of Christ, for the accuser of the brethren is cast out, which accused them before God day and night. This is a, by the way, this is something that is relevant today, but it's coming. You understand what I mean? This is when there's a loud voice in heaven. It's talking about when Christ comes. But it's relevant in our lives today because it's the same principle. Because it says this, the accuser of the brethren is cast down and accused them before God day and night. But they overcame him, or they over, and they overcame him. What? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb, we already heard about that. The word of our testimony is Jesus is Lord. That is what our testimony is. Whosoever believes that God has raised him from the dead and confess him to be Lord shall be saved. So our testimony is God is true. Satan, you're the liar. You say God's a liar. You're the liar. And they love... Now, now I want you to see this part here because it's very important. And by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. You know what that meant? is when they're, you know, we're sewing them up in skins and feeding them to the lions. And now the point that I'm making here is there is a place in God. Before I say this, I got it. I don't want, I don't want you to close me out here because God changes circumstances. Okay. But while ago when Rodney was talking about and, uh, I think he was kind of mixing up things. I do. I mix them up all the time. 
the Lord was mixing up things. But I think he was talking about Hebrews 13.10. Not Hebrews 13, excuse me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13. I think it is. God will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. But will with the temptation make a way to escape. He means here. Now God changes circumstances, but what he wants from us and for us is for us to have victory through the circumstance. Before you can, I mean, God's grace, he pours out on whom he wishes. And he'll pour grace out on one person, salvation, not salvation, but one person, uh, healing, and another one not. I was talking to Pastor Norm Moran last night, and he says, I prayed for two people to be healed of the same thing on the same day in this, the same exact illness. And one of them got healed and one of them didn't. You can say, well, there must have been sin in their life. <laughs> well, that's a given. <laughs> you know, like one pastor, things were happening in the church, really happening in the church. And one of the pastors I don't know why this isn't happening in my church. And he says, is it because there's sin in the church? And somebody says, that's a given. (laughs) Duh. So don't ever tell anybody there's something in their life. Because now, hey, if you smoke cigarettes, don't be surprised when cancer comes up on the scene. All right. That's that's understandable. But don't say this is you're sick because of sin in your life. Because the, the fact of the matter is, we'd all be sick. God dealt with us according to our iniquity. No one could stand before him. Thank God we got the blood of the Lamb. And the word of our testimony, now we get into this part. They love not their lives unto the death. Which meant the victory that they received didn't save their lives. They love not their lives unto the death. In other words, they, the blood and the testimony, and they steadfast even in the middle of trials and tribulations. God wants us to have the victory. When he says make a way to escape, he doesn't mean out of the circumstance. Again, he will do that. But what he wants is for us to be victorious in the circumstance. Hello? And that's what it says here. They overcame him. They overcame his lives. Overcame Satan's lies. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they stood fast even unto death. Well, that's not, not, I understand. Believe me, I understand. That's not one you want to amen. I know we had some amens, but I can get it. I got it. I got it. We're not a big amen in church anyways. I got it. 
All right, let's turn to First um, Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 11. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 11. Okay? Okay. Verse 5. Chapter 5, verse 5. Okay. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. I have to be very nice about that. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. Next words. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that you may exalt, that he will exalt you in due time. Casting all of your care upon him. Leave this one up just a second. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Last week I was talking about God saying uh, in Hebrews 6.10, God is not unrighteous to forget your work or labor of love. God is not unrighteous. He himself, God himself say that I didn't take notice of your labor of love, of your work. I would be unrighteous. But he is not unrighteous. Even a a sparrow that falls to the earth he's conscious of, he knows of. Somebody was quoting... Julie was quoting uh, Psalm 139 for a little part of it. And God, the thoughts that you have toward me in Psalm 139, the thoughts that are, you have toward me are beyond counting. God has more thoughts of gratitude and love and appreciation t- toward us than we do him. For starters, we can't outlove God. And so he says, this says he cares for you. Cast all your care over on him, for he cares for you. Next verse. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, walketh about, Seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant. What's he flowing into? From casting your care off on him, for he cares for you. What did you have to do in order to cast all your care over on him? You had to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. So you humble yourself. You cast your care over on him and you have to do that to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil is walking about to seeking, seeking whom he may devour. Amen. Hallelujah. So what happened to me was the circumstance didn't change but my attitude did. And, you know, 
when I really one day in his presence is better than thousands elsewhere. And that means not changing circumstances, but being victorious over the circumstances. I want to give you an example in the Old Testament. And for time's sake, I'm just going to go over it. Please check it. When you get home, it's called be Berean. No. How many of you know the... Uh, know of the verse of scripture that says cleanliness is next to godliness. How many of you know the verse that says it is better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt? Know that verse. How many of you know the verse the the fool believeth every word? Yep. None of those are in the Bible. (laughs) Some one of them was said by Abraham Lincoln, but he took it from the Bible. And the others were, I think, Shakespeare that said it. And I'm not saying they weren't true, okay? There's a lot of truth in those things. I'm just saying you, you need to check things out before you fall for something. You know, if you won't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So, First Samuel, say First Samuel, chapter thirty. I'm just going to go verse by verse. I may skip some. One of the reasons I don't mind telling you what's in it, it's got all these names I can't pronounce, and I'm embarrassed by it. But but David, he had gone off with the men of his, at that point in time, his residence was in Zilgag or something like that. Ziglag. Ziglad. Sounds more like a German place, like Heil. Zig, Heilzig, you know. But it, and so, he left and he went to basically kind of parley or have a peace party with the Philistines. And so he gets back and the Amalekites. The Amalekites were talked talk all the time about being a thorn in Israel's flesh. And the Amalekites are descendants of Esau's grandson. And so the Amalekites had come through and they burned the entire village. And they took all the children and the women with them. And so when David gets back, where he was living at that time, where his two, two wives were, two wives, double trouble. <laughs> and uh, he gets back, and what does he do? He and the others begin to cry out to the Lord. I mean, you, you get back and you find out your, your wives and your children have been taken and your entire village burned out. I, people have had some tremendous hurts and problems down in 
you know, with the hurricanes and everything. I've never experienced that. And so I, I, I just, my heart goes out for them. I'm so glad that pastor got out of Turkey. I thought, and he says, tells the president, can I pray for you? Man, that was beautiful. And so, can you imagine, just think, this is imagine, this is okay. Can you imagine that their entire village was burned and their wives and their children were taken? And so David sets his heart and he starts crying out before the Lord and crying. And some men begin to cry out with him. And it says, they cried until they had no, they couldn't even do anything. They, all of their energy was completely spent. They, they were completely worn out. And by this time, some of the men are getting a little upset with David. Why? What would you want to do if a group had taken your wives and your children? You wouldn't want to waste a minute would you? You would want to go after them lickety-split. And they are all, no, at this point in time, they're beginning to say, well, let's stone him because he's not taking this serious enough. And David says to Abiathar, he says, go get me an ephod. Now, an ephod is like a prayer shawl. shawl. You, and it's a, like a scarf that hangs down that the priest wore. And an ephod would cover the shoulders. And, the, and it was representative. It was like a metaphor for us of having a covering. We had that word today. Our sins are covered by the blood. And it also covers their shoulders, which is like their works, their burden. It goes down and it crosses over their lungs, which is the air they breathe. And it physical, it's a representation of breathing God, breathing the air, because one of the names for spirits is pneuma, which means air. And it crosses the heart. You know. And so why, why did he say get this ephod? It's because he was getting to the point where he knew that he got nothing. They've lost everything. And now they prayed to the point where they can barely stand up. And he starts praying with his ephod on and he starts crying out to the Lord. Reminds me of James 5 where it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And he was crying out and crying. Then he says, Lord, should I go after them? What would we have done? We wouldn't have to. We wouldn't even have to ask the Lord that question. I'm going after him. Do what you want to do, but I'm going after him. He says, "Should I go after him?" And the Lord spoke to him and says, "Go after them. I, I have put them in your hand. Victory in your hand." So he gathers up all the men. There's six hundred of them, and he starts following the trail the best he can. And he comes by this brook to, you know, get water and such. And the men find this guy in a field. 
And he looks about, he's near dead. So they bring him over to David, and David gives him bread and water and some raisins and some fig cakes. And so he says, who, who are you? And the guy just comes up and says this. He says, I'm an Egyptian, a young, he's a young man, and I was the slave of one of the Malachites. And I got sick, and they left me behind. And I haven't had anything to drink or to eat in three days. So he ate, and he got refreshed. And David says, will you take us to where they have gone? And he says, well, if you won't, if you promise not to take my life and you don't deliver me over to them. He says, you got a deal. There's 600 men and there's 200 men that can't make it. They are so fatigued that they're just completely collapsed. And he says, well, I'll take the 400 men. And he goes and he just, he finds them and he just takes them all. Not one wife, not one child is lost. And I believe the implication is in not one man. And the reason I believe that is because what good would it mean that you got the wife and you lost your life and, you know, but it says no, nobody was, and they, it says, but 400 Amalekites, young ones, fled away on camels. And what they had gone by, and when this young, this, uh, this, uh, Egyptian told him in the first place, he says, they have gone from this city to this city, this city. And some of it was in Philistine territory, and some of it was in, was in Judah territory. And so, he says that they had booty, you know, they call that booty, from all those places. And now it's David's. And he takes it back, and he has all those wishes. Now, why, why would I give you all those details? Is because when he gets back to where the 200 was, he said, you know, salutations to them. And one of the guys says, you're not going to split the booty with them, are you? And he says, no, absolutely, I will split the booty with them. They were part of us. They couldn't make it. And then he, and, and he said, well, I'm just going to make it a law from now on. He split the booty with him. Did you see that little slight, contra, the, the, the contradiction of the Malachites? The Malachites was going to leave a guy because he was sick. And they know they're going to be eventually followed by somebody. And they left him to die. But David left his men so that they could live. And then he shared with them. There's a perfect pattern right there of seeking God. Humbling yourself before God. Seeking Him. Now, two chapters before, in between 28 and 30, Saul dies. But in two chapters before... Saul was faced with the same problem. Only it was the Philistines. Similar problem. And what did he do? He went to a witch. 
to find out what he should do. What do we do? (laughs) There's a number of things that we do instead of seeking God. You know, for example, uh, there's a list. Mindless, uh, uh, mindless distractions. (laughs) Television. Mindless distraction. That that is like, you know, I'm I'm get I'm I gotta have some, you know, get away from my problems, get away from my hurt. So it's mindless distractions or self indulgence. You know, I'll eat my way happy or returning. Uh, proverb twenty six eleven, I think it is, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. Hmm. Some of us go right back to what got us in the mess in the first place. Hello, but David sought the Lord. I think another good attitude is Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I love what they say. They were supposed to bow down to him. They built the fiery furnace. He says, you know, do you think your God is going to deliver you from that fiery furnace? And they said, absolutely. But, I've always heard if you add about to it, you're like into unbelief. Uh, I don't buy that. That's not anymore. But if he doesn't, we still won't bow down to your idol. Whoa. That's, they love not their lives unto the death. But they didn't die. So God will do something in your circumstances. But what's more important is the victory up here. The weapons of our warfare and Warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's where it is. That's where it is. That's where victory is is when your mind, every thought is brought into the obedience of Christ. And I tell you, I had five days where I didn't do that. And then when it happened, it's like, wow, why didn't I do this five days ago? (laughs) Hallelujah. My horse, my voice is a little hoarse. But I got a song I want to sing you, and we'll close. And uh, it's short. Somebody said, thank goodness. I love this song, and I've changed it up a little bit. But I love this song. And I believe that there's a lot of people that can be identified with it. And let's see if I can sing it. When the day is long and the night And the night is yours alone. 
when you're sure you've had enough of your life. Hang on. For everybody hurts. Take comfort in God's word. Everybody hurts. Sometimes. When the day and nights are long. In this life. And you feel like you can't go on in this life. Hang on. Hang on. For everybody hurts. But comfort in God's Word. Cause everybody hurts sometime. Everybody hurts sometime. Hallelujah. I don't know if this is really, I, 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 want, I had the feeling of this to do it before and we've done it, but I think I want to do it again because I think somebody may have not been honest with God or honest with us or honest with themselves because I think we got a lot of hurt and people in here now maybe it was just me <laughs> I don't know but I think we have some hurt and people and it can be because of things that are happening the devil is having a heyday in your family or with your body with your circumstances and I think that there might be some people that are like David. They've prayed through. They got the victory. And now it's time for them to come back and share with the others. You see what I'm saying? It's like now's the time for the body of Christ, the ones that have fought through and God has given them victory in the circumstance, not from the circumstances, but in the circumstance. And now, God wants you to share with the rest of us who haven't got there yet. You see the, 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 the metaphor there? And so when we have communion, well, first of all, here's what I want to do. Was the first ones, the, how many honest hands in here? How many or on the other side of the circumstances because you've humbled yourself before God and God has led you through it and you've seen the victory. Again, not changing the circumstances. That, that would be great if you did get that far. And you can. But just up here, if you've gotten the victory up here, as, as I'm, I'm telling you, I... I we're, we're a charismatic believing church, gift believing church that believes the gifts of the Spirit and God will do a miracle in your body. We believe that. But I also believe something else. If you don't have a miracle up here, a miracle up here is worth never having a victory in your body. 
than having a victory in your body, but not up here. Do you see where I'm coming from? You know, one day in his presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. So, is there, show of hands, is there someone that has experienced the victory the way I'm talking about through the circumstances and you've got the joy of the Lord, you've got the peace that passes all understanding, you, you've experienced the love that passes knowledge, and you have the victory. Is there somebody say, raise your hand? We got one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, what I want you to do then is I want you to come up when Harry, come on up and start playing the music for the kids. And what we'll do is when you come up, you'll come up first and take communion first and then stand up here. And the rest of us who need that, we need some of the booty, even though we didn't fight through. The rest of us who need it and didn't fight through can come up for prayer from these people. Now it's your time to share with us. Was that pretty clear? Was that understanding? The ones that raised your hand says you got the victory. You come up the middle of the aisle when Harry calls you and partake of communion and then line up and the rest of us who need the victory or haven't experienced it like David did, you pray for them. Amen.